Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of fantasy romance and romantic fantasy. Never the twain shall meet. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. That's just so good. One of my favorite parts. Actually, I don't think it's my favorite part of the day. I like getting into bed at night is my favorite part of the day. I am a hedonist. What can I say? Today is Monday, November 8th. We'll talk to you guys a little bit about competition today. Um, oh, look, I've got a little leaf on my sweater. Look at the pretty rose blooming behind me still. I have to get a little caffeine in me first. Yum. Okay, so, um, so yeah, Monday roses will last a little bit longer. We're supposed to get, um, down cold Thursday. So I've lasted long this fall though, coming and sitting outside. A little stiff today though. Really need to get back into doing yoga. I've really fallen off of the yoga wagon. And I don't know if it works that way. That particular metaphor. Um, but you know, I just don't like doing it on zoom. And so then I keep coming up with different alternatives and my favorite yoga teacher isn't teaching in person yet. And I don't know if she's going to, I may have to gasp, find someone else, but you know, one of the weird things about yoga people is a whole lot of the yoga classes are like mid morning, mid morning or like early afternoon, which kind of boggles me because I mean, it's like, do they figure that yoga is only for people who don't have jobs? Otherwise I don't get it. And it's weirdly consistent. And admittedly, I live in a town that is, you know, Santa Fe is more of a retirement place than young people place. And my particular unincorporated community, I think the median age is like 55, but still we're not all retired. Are we? (laughs) I don't know. I have to figure out something though. I really need to get that part of my life back on schedule. So I had a productive weekend. Um, it it was both productive and relaxing. I'm getting good at this (laughs) relaxing more thing. It's really funny for me to have weekends where I don't have, I didn't have anything scheduled this weekend. And so I kind of did things according to my inclination, which makes me realize how rarely I do that. It's been a really long time since the weekend was like the time for me to play which that's probably something wrong with that. (sighs) Alas, but, um, yeah, I mean, we both just kind of hung out all weekend and, and it was, it was good. Saturday morning, I ended up sitting and listening to my audiobook narrators. So for those of you interested, you may have heard me talk about this. Um, I was talking about on the Faro forum, uh, people were wondering how it went. 
told Grace about it too. We had a, a long call on Saturday, our, our monthly meeting of the minds. And so that was good to talk with her. She is releasing her standalone, the memory of summer, um, that her novella that was in under a winter sky. So we were just going back and forth a little bit this morning before I started the podcast because she needed my, um, my publisher permission for her to publish it on her own. Amazon had already spat it back. So, um, so yeah, I ended up going with find away voices to do the audio book for dark wizard and filled out this form. And you guys, you, if you've listened to me any length of time, you know, I hate filling out forms. I mean, my assistant, I think cringes every time she has to give me a form that she can't fill out for me, which is like 90% of her job filling out forms for me. I hate filling out forms. Did I mention? And there's just seems like there's more of them all the time. It's like the advent of the Google form. Everybody and their sisters like, Oh, well, we'll just have the authors fill out the Google form. And it's like, fuck me. I don't want to, <laughs> it puts all of the burden on us. It puts, you know, and I realize it's easier for other people, which is, I guess the point, but it's like, I don't anyway, that's not today's rant. Not today, Satan. So their, their system, their form was actually very easy. And I think that's part of the form thing. She said, uh, going back to the rent is like when people decide that they're going to have someone fill out a form, they like ask for tons and tons of information and they make it way too long. Um, I think because it's like, well, as long as we're having them fill out the form, no, uh, (laughs) okay. I'm really done now. So the find a way, um, form was, was fine and asked me very relevant questions. It didn't take me long to fill out. And from that, they gave me a list of 10 potential narrators and I could listen. I could look, you know, had all their information about them, like their awards and backgrounds and everything. And I could listen to different samples from them, um, reading with like different POVs and different genres and, <clears throat> So I did that last week. I listened to all 10 and if I hadn't liked any, I could have asked for another raft of 10, but I actually liked nine of them. One of them I was pretty iffy on, but I thought I'd give him a try because he was cheap. It also gives their rate. So I thought, oh, well, we'll give cheap boy a try. Maybe he'll like come through, uh, with an amazing audition because that was the next step is that I could then give them a 700 word scene from my book and have them read it and, and do an audition. So I asked nine of them to audition all the same clip. And one of them, well, two declined two declined to audition probably cause they're busy. I mean, you know, all, it's just find a way who like, you know, line them up for the job, but and one did not respond. Guess who it was? It was cheap boy. Go figure. I'm not going to, I'm not saying I'm drawing conclusions, but I'm drawing conclusions. Uh, so then I got six auditions to listen to. And it was really interesting listening to them read my scene. Um, in some ways I, if 
it really was like an extra effort to take off that editor brain because there's nothing like hearing someone else read your work to make you want to change shit up. <laughs> it was like, Ugh. actually the scene I picked, I've been over a bunch of times, so I know it wasn't going to be too bad. I am also rereading dark wizard right now because I'm, I finished writing the novella for fire of the frost pretty much finished. It's um, I've got 23,500 words aiming for 25,000, 26,000. Uh, I know I'm going to cut some stuff from the beginning. I've got more things to weave in and then I wanted to wait to write the ending um, until I'm exactly sure of some of my details and timing. And I've still got a couple weeks. And so I'm, I'm taking my time with it and I may start in on writing gray magic book three in the series. But today I know I'm bouncing around topic wise and I haven't even talked about competition yet. Sorry. Um, today what I'm going to work on because I've been rereading dark wizard and highlighting world building elements. So you guys know, I just don't keep a world Bible and this world is complex enough that I think I'm going to make one. I think that's what I'm going to work on today. I'm going to keep reading dark wizard. Uh, I have to reread bright familiar and I think I'm going to like put all of this stuff into an Excel workbook so that I can look up all of the magic rules and social rules and so forth. Look at me, baby grows up, (laughs) but I'm, I, I have time right now. I have time entirely because I'm pushing gray magic release back a month. I'm sorry, but it's like either I can, there's no way I could get it done in time for my December release date. So I'm just pushing it to January. I haven't decided what date yet. Um, but it's just the way it's going to be, but it does give me more time to like get all of these puzzle pieces lined out. I have to like find all of the corners and all the straight edges and everything so that I can then fill in the middle. How's that for an analogy? But I'm also, as I go through dark wizard, highlighting the occasional non ideal word word and sometimes word echoes because I thought, well, if I'm giving the audiobook narrator a new manuscript to read from, I might as well fix these things now. I almost never do this. Um, but, but this time I am, uh, so, oh, so it was interesting listening to them read that same 700 word sample. And my first impression was different than listening to it. Like the third or fourth time I kept narrowing it down and I had them in my spreadsheet, you know, like ranked by their cost. And then I kept moving the ranking around deciding, you know, like how much I liked them. And it came down to two gals. Uh, I did ask on social media. Some of you may have seen the Facebook post. It was interesting asking people who love to listen to audiobooks If you have a male and a female character um, and it's alternating points of view and do you prefer a male narrator? to do both or a female narrator to do both. And it's always interesting who sticks to the assignment and who does not. I mean, obviously people 
it was totally optional, but I got so many people coming back saying, I like multiple narrators. I like there to be a voice for each part. And I'm like, you guys, I am not made of money. <laughs> like, and my, my friend who runs a theater in Baltimore was like, plus it's pay paying actors. And it's like, well, yeah, it's great to pay actors, but it's going to pay art writers too. <laughs> writers can't afford this kind of thing. So it's like, no, there's going to be one narrator. So we get a choice. We get a guy reading both parts or we get a woman reading both parts. And then of course I had to have my, um, my friend who is non-binary say that she thought I shouldn't split it on a gender axis. And it's like, I really try to be, you know, inclusive and embracing of these things. But it's like, I, this is just, she suggested I come at it from a different axis entirely. And it's like, no, no, I've, I've got boy narrators and I've got girl narrators and that's what I'm working with here. And I've, you know, my books are heteronormative. I know they are. Um, I'm heteronormative. Uh, you know, I try to include other sorts of characters, but you know, especially in this case, this is, this is our criteria. This is what I have to work with. So, <laughs> so I'm not, um, I am approaching this on a gender axis and very interestingly, the people who did, um, come at it with the criteria that I gave them, uh, said, and I, I tend to agree that they prefer a female narrator because women can on, on the whole, you know, and this is like, you know, not all men, uh, women can approximate male voices in a more pleasing way than men approximate female voices because for whatever reason, like one of the guys who auditioned was great. He did such a great job and he's an Audi winner and he, I mean, it, he did an amazing performance and he was also the most expensive. And I was like, Oh, I'm tempted. But his rendition of Nick's voice came off sounding a little bit Monty Python. You know, where it's going, why? <laughs> I can't imagine what you mean by such a thing. You know, and it's like, why is it that when men do women's voices, there's always a sense of maybe it's, maybe it's us reading in, but it always feels slightly mocking, you know, and, and my stepdad does that and, you know, to tease my mom and, and it's perfectly fine. But when he's, giving her a hard time about something, he'll do that. He'll pitch his voice very high and to imitate her in an obvious parody, you know, it's like, you know, um, you know, I, I don't know why I want to go to the football game. I don't want to go to the football game. You know, he'll do that kind of thing. And it's like, ha ha ha. But it's almost like men, not all men, but it's like, sometimes it's hard for them to do a female voice without that sense of parody to it. You know, and there's all of this stuff in the background, uh, you know, about, you know, like that men can't, you know, like these stupid studies, like men can't listen to women's voices because they're too high. It's like hurts their brains to hear our higher voices. I don't know. So anyway, that's a lot of stuff. I ended up with two women, um, and one of whom was actively looking for work. And the other one, it said like two to three months. So, and, and the one who was actively looking for work, I really liked hers. And so I booked her. So now I guess we have to like do the contracts and everything. Uh, I haven't heard back yet. They said it might be a week. So that's been fun. It's been fun. 
Um, and yeah, so fixing dark wizard and stuff. So here I am already 16 minutes in and I haven't said anything about competition, but maybe it won't take me very long. I saw a funny thing over the weekend um, that I will link to. I even saved the link that is it was Stephen Sondheim and Andrew Lloyd Webber doing a mashup of send in the clowns and music of the night. They sat side by side at the piano and like did a mashup before mashups were a thing. Uh, and they blend the songs blend together and then they changed the words and they were doing a roast of um, I think of a Broadway producer. I, I didn't quite catch who it was of uh, but they were having a great time and and the comments around it some of the description they were talking about like you know I always thought these two you know had such an intense competition. It's amazing to see them sit down and actually clearly having a lot of fun together. They were doing a lot of back and forth um, you know like one of the lines they changed was um, Sondheim goes isn't he rich and Andrew Lloyd Webber leaned over and went richer than me. I mean it it's awesome. It's it's really fun to watch. Um, but it was making me think about you know like this whole thing of oh I thought that they were you know so competitive and everything and and I talked about competition before I may sneeze. Competition makes me sneeze. <coughs> Thank you. I think in the US we are really taught I'm not sure about other places but that competition is healthy. It kind of comes out of our whole capitalist system thing uh be on the football team uh you know we're a competitive society and we're taught that competition is a good thing right that so much stuff rests on oh I got pause there I sneeze something into my eye. Um yeah so much of our philosophy as a country rests on this idea that competition resolves everything right. If there's competition then market prices are lower uh, supply and demand all this kind of thing and so much so that I think we unthinkingly accept it into our lives and I don't think it's a positive thing. Um, I don't think competition is good for us. I don't think competition makes us rise up and do better. Um, I know people can make arguments for that but I'm just not sure I believe in it and it's one of the reasons why I don't love NaNoWriMo because it sets it up as a contest like something that you can win and people match you know you have groups vying to do bigger word counts than other groups and I just think um, I don't think it's healthy creatively. And that's my line in the sand. I, I just um, I think it creates stress on people. I think it's not adapted to the creative process. I think it's you know trying to make a game out of something a game or a contest out of something that shouldn't be a contest. And and I feel like artists authors are put into false competition with each other all the time already. You know we have rankings we have you know like how many stars did your book get and what rank are you on Amazon and are you I'm number 35 in the subcategory and this person is number 39 woohoo you know and some of it can be fun because it's fun to enjoy the rise of your book but at the same time there's this 
pervasive sense of ranking of competing with each other that I don't think is healthy. And one of the things that we've noticed doing these anthologies together, like Grace and I have noticed this multiple times is we will get readers who are wonderful fans of our own books, but that they feel like one way to show their fandom is by preferring your books to someone else's. And so sometimes I'll even do it like in reviews of the anthology, they'll be like, well, Grace's story was the only story worth reading. And they'll, they'll even like come back to us and say things like, um, well, I hate it. I hated Grace's story. You're, you're just such a better writer than she is. And, and, and it's, I'll be, we will be at a little bit of a loss as how to respond to readers like this, because it's like, you do know that this person is my friend, right? She's my best friend. I, I want her to do well. I want people to love her books. Uh, it does not make me happy for you to come and say, well, I, I ranked her book low because it's not, not as good as yours. Um, so I think that's, um, it's an interesting thing that people just assume that people who are creating in the same genre, uh, are like in bitter competition with each other. And certainly there are cases like that. I mean, there's bad players in a lot of arenas, but you know, a lot of us become friends with other authors because we love their books. <laughs> That's how I became friends with grace. You know what? I, I read her book and stalked her and made her be my friend, which was pretty easy because she'd read my book and loved it. And so we were like, Oh, Hey, kindred spirit. Um, I'd like to see more of that. All right. On that note, I'll remind you all that first cup of coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network, where you will find more podcasts that you love equally well as mine at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye.